Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So, good to join you. Last night uh, at 5.30, no, 6 o'clock, I was uh, on the prayer meeting for our Hindi-speaking site, and we've got a, a, a couple there, Sojo and Hepsi, who are taking the lead in it, and uh, there's another lady who comes on, Sanchita, these all come to our um, Lady Bon congregation and she said just before we started she said I just need you to pray she says my best friend has just lost she's an Indian lost six of her close relatives and uh, they were mum dad brothers and I think it was a brother was flying out six people close family in the last two or three weeks that is just unbelievable isn't it and that's just a snapshot of what is happening in some parts of the world and uh, it's just uh, good to be able to partner it's good to be able to have uh, other uh, sites like the Spanish speaking sites as well. I just want to pray. Can we pray? I just want to pray for Sanchita, a friend, and uh, just that uh, family. Because what we're talking about this morning is the family of God. <clears throat> we're talking about the fact that if you don't love your brothers and sisters, then hey ho, your love of God is in doubt. Hey, that's a big statement, isn't it? So let's just pray. Lord, I want to thank you that. We have the pleasure, the privilege of partnering with dear brothers and sisters from uh, subcontinent of India and helping them plant a site into uh, Manchester to reach the Hindi-speaking congregation and population. And I want to pray for Sanchita's friend and the devastation of that family. Just one family amongst thousands of families in India that are having this uh, devastation wreaked upon them. And I pray God be with them. Hard to pray. We don't know how to pray, Lord God. I just want to pray for your comfort, your care. I want to pray that it will stop, Lord God, that it will not keep spreading. I thank you for the testimony of other of our brothers and sisters in India where things are stopping, slowing down. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through John's letter. Uh, and uh, we're looking, this is I think the final preach on 1 John, so I'm just going to read the first five verses which have been asked to speak on. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Phil Moore, in his little commentary, uh, devotional uh, books on this uh, uh, letter, <clears throat> says this. He talks, he, uh, talks about a, a guy called Athangoras who basically, a hundred years after this letter was written, was trying to explain to the emperor 
why Christianity was surviving. Why actually they couldn't do anything to stop it. And he says this. Among us you will find uneducated people, manual labourers and old women who though unable to prove the benefit of our teaching with their words are able to exhibit by their deeds the benefits which come from their beliefs. That is true. They do not rehearse speeches. They exhibit good works. And when they're struck, they do not strike back. When they're robbed, they do not go to the law. They give to those who ask for them for things. In short, they love their neighbours as themselves. So basically he was saying with all the persecution, all the horrendous things that the Roman authorities tried to do to eliminate the Church of Jesus Christ, very humble, uneducated people in the main were able to stand their ground and actually prosper and see in the end the whole of the Roman Empire actually in a sense become Christianized, if I can use that word, that there was such a move of God, they held their ground. And uh, that's good news, isn't it? It's good news for us, it's good news for them. And uh, what they were doing was actually taking John's teaching and the rest of the Bible, but uh, we're looking at these first five verses and putting them into practice. So, um, John has this really important fact at the basis of his thinking. It says, the love of God and the love of people are inseparable parts of the same experience. The love of God and the love of people are inseparable parts of being born again. That's a big statement, isn't it? It's a big statement for people who say, I love God, but I don't want to go to church. <laughs> it's a big statement for those who say, I love God, but I hate the person up the road. It's a big statement for those who say, I love God, but actually I can't go to a meeting because so-and-so is there. Big statement, isn't it? If they're inseparable things. And uh, I want to just bring out John's teaching here, just to encourage us, help us, and hopefully challenge us where we've got relationship fallouts and difficulties to realise they are on top of God's agenda to get reconciled and get sorted. Uh, You see, John is only echoing Jesus' words. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. Equally important. That's what comes out there. So, in verse 1 of chapter 5, John's bringing this out. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Okay, that is a statement, okay, that uh, if you are born again, if you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if your life has changed, you will be loving God. We all know that. But actually, we will be loving the body of Christ, the people of God as well. You see, Christians have gone through a born again experience. 
you know, we've adopted three kids and uh, their name gets changed, they become part of your family, they go from one situation to another. And that word adoption is a biblical word, but there's something even kind of more here, because it's basically saying we've become begotten by God. It's like there's something internal that's happened to us. You know, it's not like a change of address, a change of fathering, a mothering, but something of a new birth. Nicodemus said this, how can that be? How can that be? What a, you know, how can a person be born again? Something of God, which we've got in this verse 1 of chapter 5. God's, believing in God, something internal has happened. We have actually been transformed from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of our God. We've got the very nature of God in us. Isn't that remarkable? It's not like a change of address, it's not like just a change of allegiance, but something of the very nature of God has been impregnated in us. We have been rebirthed. We're new creations. The old has gone. The new has come. Isn't that remarkable? That's the good news. That is the amazing good news for this part of Manchester, for the whole of Manchester, for the whole of the United Kingdom, and for the rest of the world. People who are lost, lonely, desperate, can find themselves sons and daughters. Rebirth. The the living God living inside them. Wow! That's why... Commandments that looked irksome and difficult because there were kind of rules and regulations from the outside being imposed on us suddenly become life inside. That's, that's the new birth. That is what it is to be a Christian. I remember when I was born again, I was, I, I was completely away from God. I ended up at a prayer meeting. Someone spoke in tongues. I shook. I didn't know what the gospel was. I had no clue at what being a Christian was. I was so far removed, theologically, intellectually, emotionally, everything. And yet, something happened. The God of the universe so came into that room. I was shaking, I was told, for half an hour. Something transformed in my life. I could not put an intellectual word on it. But I tell you this, I was literally in a daze. I remember going back at midnight, going up the stairs, my mum screaming at me. The non-Christians had no idea. Get down their stairs, shut up, and be quiet. Something had changed. That didn't deter me a jot. (laughs) Because God had come into my life. That's what the new birth is. And somehow I was birthed then, not into just a, a, a relationship with God, but a new family. The people of God. The new creation. We're the new creation. This is the kingdom of God at work in a people. So, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Psalm 68 verse 7. The psalmist years before Jesus came to do that miracle of a death 
on a cross to take away the sins of the world. It says this, God places the lonely in families. Do you see what John's getting at? He's saying you cannot have a relationship with God unless you become into the people of God. It's just incompatible. Because God is at work in people's lives. So every one of us that's born again, we've got God in us. So how can you fall out with God? <laughs> that's what he's basically saying. If you're falling out with your brother or your sister, they've got the life of God in them. It's big, isn't it? So I'm making a big statement here. And that's what John said. That's why I said you can't, you can't kind of have one without the other. It's just incompatible. I mean, how can you be? We're born into this wonderful people of God. Because we're all new creations. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children. His children, you see that? brothers and sisters we're all in the same family now loves his children too so let's unpack these verses as we go through because that's the basic that's the premise of what John's saying not just here but right through this letter so the first point I want to bring out is that actually we keep his commandments. Verse 2 says this, We know we love God's children if we love God. Can you see that? It's kind of just um, keep saying the same thing. And obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. Well, what are those commandments? Well, you could argue that the whole of the Bible, <laughs> the, the Torah, the, all that uh, has been written and talked about, all through the Bible, and that is true. Yet really, I think John is driving at something more specific, and it's in keeping with what I've just said. Because there's an explicit answer to this, a specific answer, sorry, to this uh, question. In John, 1 John 4.20, that's in the chapter before, John says this, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God who we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So I think what Paul, John is saying, I preach too often from Paul, what John is saying here is fundamentally the commandment, although it's general, is also very specific. And that is to love your brothers and sisters. And uh, so, uh, John Stott says, says, We cannot love the Father without obeying his commandments. You know, it's a scary thought, isn't it? About falling out with a brother or sister. When you when you're reading these and you, 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 we take offence, and boy, do sometimes we take offence? I know what it is. I can take offence, you know, quite easily. Someone can offend you, <laughs> and you say, "I've got my rights." <laughs> and when I say this is all true, it <laughs> is. But re, re, but it is a scary thought. It's such a scary thought that Jesus says this. 
If you go presenting a sacrifice, now he's obviously talking to the Jewish people in the Jewish context before the temple was destroyed, so they understood this, that they would go up and offer sacrifices to the temple uh, as their uh, worship. And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there on the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Because it's big stuff, isn't it? Really big stuff. I don't know if you've read the letter to the Philippians just recently. There's some great stuff in there. There's the, talking about the God of the universe contracting to a span incomprehensibly becoming man. That's how John Wesley <laughs> put Philippians in, in, in verse for uh, him. You know, the God of the universe becoming a human. Some great stuff like that. But you know what? There are two people that Paul wants to address. And uh, says this, Now I appeal to you, dear, you dear and Syndicate, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. Wow! In this big letter, he comes to a crux. There are two ladies falling out with each other. And says, And I ask my true partner to help these two women, for they've worked hard for me in telling others the good news. You know what? I don't think I would want to have been those two ladies. Paul saw it such a big deal, he put their names in an open letter. <laughs> Read to the whole church. Not only did he put these names in an open letter, they're there until Jesus comes back again. Wow. Wow. They're literally there for us to talk about, to make reference to, till Jesus comes back again. Boy, I think they are saying sorry, big time. Now, it's so important for reconciliation. Do you see this? You see, it was affecting the Philippian church. There couldn't be such a great witness to the emperor, to the nation, to the nations of the world, if two people were publicly falling out. That's why it was a public letter. Because <laughs> everybody knew. And you know what? Often when we have a disagreement with someone, more people know than we think. Do you know? It's just there. It's amazing how little things just creep around. So that's why Paul is making these big statements. And, um, you know, I just want to encourage us as John is doing. So that's point one. Point two, it's not burdensome. Lo loving God means keeping commands and his commands are not burdensome. Or as Moffat in his translation puts, irksome. <laughs> Okay. And I can honestly say that is just a nice little touch because commands often feel irksome, don't they? They feel annoying. They just feel an intrusion on my private life, on my way I want to do things. I wonder if John is thinking about when Jesus said, My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is. I give to you is light. 
my commands you could put I give to you is like you know that's so different from the scribes and the Pharisees fundamentally who I think interpreted the law like so many Christians can interpret the law and so many people can interpret the law and they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden that's the thing when we think about a command and it's not burdensome it, you get this kind of thing that yeah that just irks them <laughs> just I don't want that that and that but I'll take this this and this because this one annoys me this one <laughs> intrudes on me but they're not a heavy burden now I think there's two or three things that we could in say that the reasons they're not a heavy burden there's many more but I just want to uh, talk uh, just two or three. First one is that we've got God's mighty power working within us as I said suddenly it's, it's we are created a new person we are born again by something inside things that are imposed on us can be very burdensome Things that dwell up inside of us. To love God, to love people, to do good, to do right, to live righteously. You know, there's something different there. And uh, Paul says this, I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power, who for us believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and has seated him at the place of honour at God's right hand. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within you. His mighty power at work within you. To accomplish infinitely more than you might ask or think. We've got the power of God in us. Transforming our lives. Taking unholy, unrighteous, ungodly, independent, I can just keep going. (laughs) Obnoxious, maybe you could say that about me. Don't want to impose that on anybody else. But you know, and transformed us by the power of God within us. That's the people of God. Hallelujah, hey? Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. We're the people of God. And that's why it's not burdensome, because God is in us. Mm -hmm. The hope of glory. Wow. You get a little more nods here than you do at Lady Bond. (laughs) But you get more at Lady Bond than you do at some other places. Actually, the, the more international the congregation, the more response you get. <laughs> That's why I love speaking in these situations. Because we get into it, we feel it, we understand it. It's not just trying to analyse it in our heads. God is at work in us by his mighty power. Second, just quickly, the joy of the Lord. When you think of burdensome, and when you think of commandments, joy is not the first thing you think about. Keeping instructions is not joy for many. The commandments of the Lord, it says in Psalm 19, are right, bringing joy to the heart. 119 verse 1 Psalm Joyful are the people of integrity and Nehemiah put it this way for the joy of the Lord is your strength you know it's hard to have something that's irksome when you're joyful (laughs) it's just like slightly incompatible isn't it (laughs) when there's joy and hope 
and life dwelling up into you, somehow the world seems different. When you're oppressed and feeling down and feeling like you've just got to follow a load of rules, regulations and it's just hard work, then commands and everything just feel irksome, don't they? It's an incompatible thing to have joy dwelling up in you, love, hope. Well, God says, love your neighbour. Something is working within you to overcome the issue, the difficulty, the problem. And then the third which uh, uh, answer that I want to raise comes into the, just the final point as I bring this to conclusion. Victory through faith. Verse 4, so we're just going through this verse by verse and they're just very tightly knit argument. It's like he's not going away from the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour, love God. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Do you want to defeat this evil world? Mm, kind of a few hums there. And we achieve the victory through faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Do you want to win this battle against the gravitational pull of this world to lead us to sin, despair, hopelessness, isolation? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He starts with belief, born again, faith in the king of the universe who died for us he ends in the same place very tight you can see these five verses tightly knit together woven together keeping going so john is indicating that this struggle that we're in is winnable ben witherington the third um just love this guy i've been reading his commentaries it's annoying if you look at how many books he's written, you think he should be about 500 years old. You know those sort of people that you think, do you have a life? Because I mean, they're just, I've got about that many uh, of, of books and it's just like a bit of what he's done. I'm thinking, anyway, says this, we are told, he says this, we are told that everybody born of God overcomes, conquers the world. Since this remark is attached to what comes before, it presumably means that born again, born of God persons are able able to escape the gravity of this world which holds us down, prevents us obeying God's command, particularly the command to love. There's a gravitational pull in the world to hate your neighbour. That's why we see that's why we see intolerance and racism and all sorts of things. This is a gravitational pull for hatred, for pushing people away, and yet we have got the victory. <laughs> we have the victory. We can love people from every tribe and every nation. We can pray for our dear brothers and sisters in India. We can pray all around the world. We can have people from different social, different backgrounds, different ethnicities. And we can escape. We can defeat the gravitational pull that basically makes you independent, intolerant, that we can love the people of God. That's the good news. Hey, I'm excited about this. I hope you want to get into the spirit of this. I feel it's a massive challenge with a massive hope. <laughs> Do you understand? I hope you get in that spirit. It's winnable. That's what he's saying. And we are part of that winning new creation. So, 
let's just finish (laughs) and who can win this battle against the world only those who believe so the challenge this morning I think is twofold do you want to be born again? (laughs) do you want to escape the gravitational pull that not only makes you intolerant to other people and sinful but is doomed for destruction do you want to join the new creation the people of God with hope in a world today that's going to be transformed (laughs) made new like we have been made new by being born again heaven and earth are going to be made new wonderful so I encourage you and I'm going to pray for you if you don't have the hope in you then God wants to meet you and the second thing is if you do have something against a brother or sister please, please, please do your best to put it right it takes two to tango they say and that is true so just because you go and try and put it right unless they want to forgive you you know but the what Jesus said when he takes that advice, go. That's the imperative. Go. Do your bit. Make your heart wanting the best. Wanting reconciliation. And I'm going to pray for you now as I finish for those two things. That we have the hope of glory in our heart and we have the motivation, the desire to put it right any broken relationships that we have because we're the people of God for eternity.